welcome everybody to those who have already been here and those who might show up. I am Kevin McCamish and I will be your host tonight. Um, he's sitting in for the uh, esteemed Mr. Evan Valella. Uh, with me, I don't have any uh, fancy intros today. Um, didn't have the time, but I've got <clears throat> Phil Grooms. Hey. How's it going? Doing good. I got Mr. Ryan Allen. Hello. How's it going? The indomitable Iron Pony. Hey, guys. And with us from Unused Substitutes Podcast, a member of our glorious, beautiful game network, Dan. How's it going, Dan? Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. How you feeling today, Dan? Oh, uh, every emotion under the sun, it feels like. Every single one. That's It's a wide range of uh, feelings. Are you exhausted? <laughs> yeah, um, it's... It's been a ride since, I mean, there's so much speculation and still so much unknown. And uh, I've had bouts of optimism. Then I've also had bouts of wanting to pour a bottle of whiskey down my throat. (laughs) For those of you who might not know what he's talking about, today, um, an announcement, was it an announcement or just the news leaked? Just the news leaked. leaked. Uh, Tomorrow is the official announcement slash press conference. So the Tampa Bay Rowdies uh, are getting a new owner in the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, looks like that leaked today. And like Dan said, there's going to be a press conference tomorrow. What time is that going to be your local time? Uh, 10.30 a.m. Okay, so that's 7.30 Pacific and every hour in between for all of our time zones. Uh, everyone keep an eye on that one. It's pretty big news. Um, hopefully nothing bad happens to the Rowdies Like as far as... You know, you guys, no, no real change other than a different owner. But, you know, I guess we'll find out what the details are tomorrow, right? Yeah. So what are your initial thoughts? Like, what were the good sides? And then where? what dark sides did you go to after that? Um, I think it started dark more than anything. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays is exactly uh, the most liked man in the area currently. Uh it's been an ongoing saga of him trying to get the Rays a new stadium and then fighting with St. Pete to get it and then doing exploring around the area. And now he wants to move it across the bay to uh, uh, Tampa, Ybor City. Um, but uh, what was it? In 2008, they tried, when the Rays had control of the current stadium, uh, Allen Stadium, they wanted to build their new stadium there and that failed miserably. So there's that undercurrent of are they just trying to get the land in the stadium and the routes are expendable. Uh, and it, it's just been theory after theory. Um, also, I don't know if anybody follows baseball, but the Rays aren't exactly known for spending money on players and retaining mm-hmm. talent. Uh, they have one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, payroll in MLB. So that's one of those things that everybody's like, well, are they going to spend money on players? Uh, but as I thought about it, I mean, it's he <coughs> owner Stu Sternberg's pretty hands off. He he doesn't live in Florida. I believe he lives in New York. Works on those uh, stock things like that. Um, and he seems to hire competent people. That even though that they run on a shoestring budget in in baseball, United USL is a bit different budget wise. Uh, so we can. You know, I hope he takes the the current revenue streams, all these things that the Rowdies already have independent of the Rays and just keep reinvesting and grow. Um, there's also a high potential for using the Rays uh, model of lowering ticket prices uh, and different season ticket promotions and just uh, overall in-game experience will help improve an experience for the Rowdies. So there's room to grow. I can, I'm cautiously optimistic at this point that the Rowdies aren't going to be a, like a pawn in the, the Raids move for a new stadium or anything. Yeah, I, I especially thought, my initial thought immediately was, you know, that like what you said about Tampa Bay not spending the money and, and with uh, FC Cincinnati leaving, you know, as much as people like to hate on them in, in this way, especially the Tam Gam thing, it's really cool that we do have teams that spend a lot of money in this league and that we have those all-stars coming into the, the league. I think that's awesome. Um, not everyone agrees, but 
I love that, and it'd be really sad for me to see the Rowdies become, you know, spend less money on, on bringing in really cool players or really talented players. Even, you know, having Poku in the league has been really cool. Um, so, you know, that'll really knock down um, the high spenders in the USL, and, and I think that'd be a little less exciting. Um, are there any other... I don't know. <laughs> Are there any other Pony or Ryan? Do you guys know of any other teams that spend a lot of money? If these two teams are, are going to spend less money or be gone, are there others out there that might fill a role other than Phoenix is all I can think of. Yeah, I'd say Phoenix is a high spender. If you're talking about like other ownership groups that have the capabilities to spend a lot of money, you could claim that Louisville, Nashville, Sacramento, hmm. or San Antonio all have those capabilities that they can spend upwards to a bunch but i think as far as like if you partner the brand with basically ownership group tampa before cincinnati came in or with cincinnati gone it's like down to tampa bay and louisville in the eastern conference is what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. yeah someone mentioned you i think it was an fcc guy said that louisville probably has a higher uh salary amount than you expect so that'd be interesting to see too not that we ever will but Especially um, considering they're building their own place. Exactly. Yeah, and so maybe it'll go up even after that. Louisville needs their own place. Mm, yeah, they do. And thank goodness they're going to get it. I'm excited for that. But I guess the other thing I saw today about this, uh, Dan, and I don't know if this is definitely true or something you've thought of, but I guess the Rowdies don't own that land either. I think they're leasing it. They're on like a five, five-year lease. I read this at Mike Pendleton's um, Twitter account. So that's one thing he said is that they don't need to buy the Rowdies in order to get that land if they really, really wanted it. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, that perhaps the, the Rays just really wanted to expand in this way and, and they see it as exciting. Are there, you know, can you tell us about some of the brighter thoughts about, you know, them perhaps buying them that you've had? Is that one of them perhaps? Yeah, uh, like uh, Mike said, um, it's. I think they lease the the land in five year increments because uh, when the MLS bid was, you know, a thing here for that brief flash in the pan time, uh, Edward said he's not going to do any stadium renovations unless we get or expansion uh, if unless we get MLS, and they, we had to put forth a uh, voting referendum to extend the lease. I think he wanted like 10, 15 year lease. Uh, which has to be approved by vo- uh, by voters instead of the city council, which does the normal uh, five-year leasing. So yeah, uh, he d- the Rays wouldn't have had to purchase the Rowdies to uh, get the land in the stadium if they really wanted it. So making a let's say twenty million investment for something they didn't need to do for a stadium just seems ridiculous. Um, like I said, I, I think Bill Edwards is he's done a lot. He saved the Rowdies uh, from you know the brink back in the day. He gave us Al Lang. He put a bunch of money. I would say I think it was something like ten million or something into the stadium uh, to you know that scoreboard, getting it to be a soccer specific pitch. But I think um, he he's taken us as far as he can get us. Uh, like brand wise and uh, just ex- game experience. I think even this is the first year uh, that the Rowdies attendance hasn't grown and we might have lost like 1% or something going off Pendleton's numbers again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that having the Rays owner, uh, ownership in will help increase the, uh, you know, the advertising dollars. Um, it'll uh, increase a little like clout, I guess, you know, in the area. Uh, Bill, Bill is great, but he's also, you know, I'm sure there's, You've heard stories of mortgage fraud lawsuits and these things and knocks against him there. And he's a bit crazy. I'm not going to lie. It'll be good to have uh, some solid ownership in. And like I said before, the the race, like Stu Sternberg, who owns the race, seems to hire the right guys. And one thing we've been screaming for as fans down here uh, is a GM and some soccer people around to help make the decisions. And, Bill Edwards has been our GM and uh, that's not what he should be doing. <laughs> so there's, there's some hope that we get some good soccer people around, uh, you know, our, uh, the vice president, we uh, come and get Neil Collins some help um, and, uh, you know, invest in that. Um, I do personally, I do think the days of the Joe Coles and the Marcel Schaefer's are over, but mm. I think you'll see, um, possibly more money spent in scouting and trying to find, uh, you know, some, some still high quality talent that uh, slips through the USL cracks. 
So Tampa Bay lost 2.2% in attendance last year. And I put one question in the show notes that I thought would be kind of interesting to bring up with um, the change of having the Rays purchase into ooh, the Rowdies and you also have the Vikings owner over on the National SC. Are we seeing a shift from the old guard of ownership in USL more towards this kind of new money type ownership in the league? Uh, yeah, I would probably say so. Um, I mean, I think you're seeing the, I think the, uh, the, the old guard invested early and are going to start trying to get their returns as soccer has grown, especially if you're seeing, you know, uh, owners of these bigger sport franchises in the nation seeing that and uh, buying them while they're relatively cheap. Very interesting. I liked what you said about a GM and I like the prospects of that too. I was going to ask you if you guys had a sporting director of any kind and I guess Bill Edwards has been doing that. I didn't know that. Um, back in, what was it, 2015, we had uh, Thomas Rangan and Faru Qureshi and Qureshi was the GM at the time and that lasted, what, half a season in NASL and then he fired them both and made himself GM. So yeah, he's Bill Edwards is very hands-on. Everything goes through him. Every decision is made by him. So it'll be nice to have that part going. Um, I'm grateful for everything he's done, but he's taken us as far as he can on the pitch and uh, off the pitch as well. Very interesting. All right. Well, that's uh, a lot about that news. We've got a lot of other news to cover, so let's move on to the next topic. Um, I think the biggest thing that's happened around the league, unless you've been under a rock, you've probably heard about this. Um, USL has officially rebranded themselves, not just themselves, but their Division Three and their semi-pro slash amateur USL PDL. Um, we now have Division Two renamed to be the USL Championship with a gold color theme. The new Division Three has been renamed USL League One in a blue color theme, and the PDL has been renamed USL League Two uh, with a red color theme. So some consistent color branding, um, impact balls, presentation format. A lot of that stuff looks pretty good. Um, more streamlined. I, I like it. It's it's uh, it's. I wouldn't even say it's reminiscent of the English Football League. It's it's uh, blatantly uh, obvious that they're they're copying that, but. You know, given what they've got, Division Two, II, Division Three, and Division Four, it makes sense. Um, it's it's kind of the EFLs seems to be one of the only leagues they could like kind of take something from and uh, try to brand it in their own style. Uh, what do you guys think about this? My question is: If uh, since he wasn't leaving, would we have just used the Bundesliga names? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think that's uh, uh, as a, an aside compared to that. I think the, you know, I almost wish Josh Brokaw was on tonight because we really went at it on uh, on our uh, on our what is that called online Slack Slack, Slack channel. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. So, you know, he hates this. He really hates that that we're copying EFL and that it's you know championship and then League One, League Two. He really doesn't like it. He's like, why didn't we just do one, two, three, four? And I think that's. Of all the arguments that you don't like it, and here's another idea, I feel like the one, two, three, four to me is the one that would make sense. But otherwise, if if you know anything about soccer, you know how the the English soccer pyramid is built, and you know what it's named and how and why. And um, you know, some of us still hold on to that dream that there's going to be a tier one USL someday, and that's a possibility, surely, well, even if they won't admit it. And then hopefully, this will make more sense because we'll have Premier championship league one league two and maybe more than that but here's the thing with that because what we have is we have usl and mls having worked very very closely for half a decade um and mls is you know uh, uh there's no one contending them for the top division in, in america and i don't see anyone even the usl contending them for division one so what I see beyond the obvious that this rebrand sets them up for the future where they may likely get pro rel between these leagues, mm -hmm. how that works. We don't know if it happens, we don't know, but it's essentially they're setting them, themselves up for that potential more than literally anyone else in America has seen. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the closest thing we've seen to the, what might come down the road. 
But with USL and MLS having worked so closely together for the past five, six years, probably continuing to work very, very closely um, in the years ahead, there I feel that it's more likely than USL developing a Division One to compete with MLS. It'll actually be MLS and USL may work together in so much <clears throat> that it would be very much like like the UK where you have the premiership and they're part of the football league, but very much like independent. Like there's the pro rel, but the football league does their thing. And the premier is like, we're the big hitters and, and we'll kind of do what we want to do. It's kind of how they created themselves in that back in 90, 92 or whatever. Um, and so I think we might see something like that. Now it could be a long, long time down the road, but I think that that situation is more likely than USL trying to develop a division one that would, maybe maybe not directly compete with mls but still exist at the same time and that just seems harder to do whereas if they worked with mls and ended up building a full pyramid even run by different even if mls is run differently than usl but if they connect the four that's about i think that's the closest way you're going to get i think so too and i think i agree with you you kind of said it but i think it is possible for them to coexist without even really hating each other or competing with each other too badly because I think it'd be really, really far-fetched for USL, even if they had a Premier League, quote, Premier League, or a Tier 1 soccer um, league, for them to even compete with MLS in, within 10, 20 years, I think is just, you know, it's not going to happen unless mm-hmm. ProRel really does take off in this country like like some freaks think it will, um, you know. But, but I think they can coexist. Do you guys think so? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason they can't coexist. It's the leagues have been successful enough on their own. I think it's a little bit odd to break away from MLS that much. So we're going to have MLS two teams and what almost looks like a standalone two, three, four division MLS, the two sides that could be kind of odd to look at, but (laughs) I mean, overall, I think it's fine. Three branding. I don't hate it. I don't love it. The gold star thing is a little cheesy, but, (laughs) and the over explanation of everything is bad as always. Yeah, Not everything big... needs in-depth explaining. I don't know you know why I chose the color blue for yeah. pride or courage or something like that. Yeah. But you could just say you chose the color blue because you like blue. Like I don't really think a lot of people are going to give a rip. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it really be... tested well with the audience. <laughs> we chose gold, blue, and red because we like primary colors. Huzzah! I mean, like. Yeah, it's not fancy, you know, explanatory, but it's like that you don't really need to go much more than that, honestly. Uh, the one thing you search for on Google is when you search for what the color of blue means, it can symbolize loyalty, strength, wisdom, and trust. Yeah. Cool, cool. The thing is, I, I think the visuals, and, and obviously, I think the announcement video was extremely good. I don't know if anyone yes, else thought that. Absolutely. But I, yeah, they did okay. put that together quite well. So I liked that. And, and, the thing about USL is they seem to have their stuff together. They don't always like they may, if anything, they kind of over market. I heard someone complaining about like, you know, the constant insistence of them saying they're one of the best tier two leagues in the world. You know, they're not there yet, but, but they sure are marketing it that way. And so hate on it if you will, but they're going to do their best to uh, make themselves look good in the best possible light possible. And, and they're going to have their stuff together. And, and I think this was a good example of that, even if it's, culturally some people are pushing back on it i totally get it and i understand why people don't like that but but you know it's still good business so far i don't know it's similar to what the the american athletic conference does when they're promoting the power six in college football it's a good point and or i at least the big thing i really got out of this was i'm going to really enjoy the new i'm kind of broadcast how they're finally going to just do the three-letter abbreviation for the team in their team colors yeah. instead of doing the logo it'll be or when i was saying much more reminiscent of the efl if you watch any of the efl matches on espn plus it it's going to have that same kind of scoreboard format like they have up in the top left hand corner i think it'll just bring a lot more of a professional look to the league if they at least are a bit more modeled after what the championship does well consistency is going to be key and consistency across your branding in each division and even across the whole league for these three divisions that's all going to help it's all going to improve um you know i I like it and one thing that i'm actually pretty excited about i don't even know why i'm so excited about it but uh potentially i think slated for 2020 is going to be uh a, a league cup 
basically. So you have your U.S. Open Cup, and then you're going to have a USL League Cup. And I don't know, that that sounds exciting because that's going to be, what, potentially 50-some-odd teams, 60 teams for across the four divisions? By then it could or, be 60, yeah. It could be a lot of teams by the time they get it going, and that's going to be exciting. And maybe someday they'll get MLS involved, which might be less, a lot less exciting because I would rather see like a USL D3 or D2 team win something like this or maybe just keep it an actual USL League Cup. Mm-hmm. But, hey, another tournament, man. I love it. I love tournaments. I do too. It, the best article is that Soccer and Sweet Tea article where they talked about how this could go down because this, this League Cup has been touted by Jake Edwards as – it is a testing ground for Perel. So we want this League Cup to work, and we want it to explore different options. And, and there, I think it could even change like year to year until they figure out the best format. And that's a good thing because they're trying to move things around and, and figure it out until it is working the way that they want it to. And then once they kind of figure it out, then they may have a go at Pro-Rel. And I think we all want to at least see that tried. And so, you know, it's really cool that that's going to happen and, and everyone should be watching very closely how it's set up from year to year and, and what it can morph into and, and how it goes. And then maybe if we get Pro-Rel, it can become something totally different. And I think we could all come up with cool ideas for that too. I do th- think the um, League Cup, to me, it just seems very reminiscent of the, um, the Scottish Challenge Cup, which does um, the teams from the Championship League 1, League 2 in Scotland. So that's uh, f- roughly 30 teams right there. And then they add in a few of the Highland and Lowland clubs and then invite a few other ones from Wales, Scotland, and um, a few from England. <laughs> but I think it gives it a really good, good chance to see um, just an expansion of the game, I'm always there for more tournaments. Although I, they mentioned that it's going to be a testing ground for um, Pro-Rail. I would not be surprised to see this league dominated by basically the championship teams. If you look at the Scottish Challenge Cup, the last time they had a team outside of uh, Tier 2 to win it was Queen of South in 2012-13. And they've only had two teams since that time make the finals from outside of Tier 2. And one of those was Rangers when they were technically probably better than what they were down there for. Right. But yeah, that's, and that's kind of the reason why I don't really want MLS to co- join this thing down the road. Yeah, because um, they dominate the U.S. Open Cup, and I like the U.S. Open Cup, but they just soccer. U.S. Soccer does not advertise, does not brand um, that tournament as well as they could. It, like I could be a lot more excited about that tournament than I I think I I usually am, uh, unless for some reason the Timbers make it you know, then I'll actually pay attention. But most of the time, eh, you know, but this USL League Cup, like I would be excited to watch. Chances are the USL will dominate it, but that's because they're going to have the better players, more money. You know, you would expect that type of thing to happen. But, you know, there's always cup sets. And I just think something like this, the way they're developing it with uh, the championship, League One, League Two, could be very, very exciting. Not only that, but I mean, we could get an FCC version of a Cincinnati version of uh, League, you know, League One. Okay, I'm gonna, I gotta get used to this branding. I'm already messing it up, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So we could have that. Like Tormenta could go out, or Greenville could go out and spend a crap ton of money and get a team that's as good as as a championship side, and that would be a lot of fun to watch. And and if you want Pro Rel, you want to root for that to happen. And and for and, yeah. And I think it's quite possible, and I think the more that I see from group like teams like that I just mentioned, the more that I think it's going to be pretty close between the bottom of championship and the top of, of League One. Um, because think about, you know, Tulsa this year is not they're not dropping down as far as any of us know. So, you know, you know, someone like Greenville or Tormenta might be able to really take on someone like Tulsa or someone else at the bottom of the table. It could be a lot of fun. I think the most interesting discussion point around it was that it seemed like the league already had kind of like a format in mind. I saw that they're going to mention to do something like group stage and then you go into knockout rounds, which I'd imagine that group stage would have to be um, geographically based. Yes. You would probably duel out like a team from the top to the, from the championship league one lead to and you kind of like distribute them all kind of evenly before you decide like the top two teams from each division or from each group can move on into that knockout stages it'll be so much fun the geographic yeah. thing makes it even better too right yeah it, it's it's gonna be super exciting 
totally. As long as they um, broadcast it better than the than the Open Cup. Oh, good point. Good point. It's got to be on plus. Got to be yeah. on plus. Well, not only that, but I mean, since you had mentioned earlier, like the USL tends to overmarket itself. This is a situation where if they overmarket this cup, it may not necessarily be a bad thing. Uh. If, if, potentially, if they could market this league cup better than U.S. Soccer can market the Open Cup, like it could be bigger than the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> It's a really good point. Imagine, ev- oh, that's such a good point. Imagine every game on ESPN Plus in that tournament, bottom to the top, no matter how good or bad your team is, every single game's on ESPN Plus. Yep. Open Cup can't compete with that. They don't even try to compete with that. If if this creates a kind of a cup-to-cup competition and drives U.S. soccer to push the open cup more then it just benefits everyone oh my God. and if the if the u.s if the league cup becomes better than the open cup well then that benefits the usl so honestly it's a win-win for usl and for us <laughs> so i guess what i kind of would rather happen is that they embarrass the open cup and then finally usl takes charge of running the open cup and actually puts money and advertising into it because that's gonna be it. better yeah it's gonna be better than whatever the hell usl u.s soccer has been doing Anyone besides U.S. soccer needs to run the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, make an independent organization, have it some representatives from MLS and the and the USL like do something. I don't really care. Right. Anything better than what you're doing with it now? So you could claim anyone other than U.S. soccer should be running anything related to soccer in the United States. <laughs> That's also so true. Oh man, so true. Uh, let's see. Up next, uh, USL League One expansion team potentially run by AS Roma might be nearing announcement. Um, anybody want to talk about this one, Ryan? Ryan, nudge, nudge. Well, I noticed or Sock Takes or posted this um, a few days ago, and it was also noticed in the um, USL kind of announcement video that they were already tossing out dots of where all the teams would be located in their various leagues. I noticed that there is a dot out in LA, which kind of seems like it'd be that team. But it would also I also noticed a few dots tossed into the Dallas area, probably FC Dallas too. And there's also one tossed in um, the Lansing, Michigan area, but we can discuss on that later. I just overall think that this is a good move and actually shows like a lot of commitment from a team in Europe, especially one in all the way in Italy to put faith into having a team in the third division of the United States. Now, the interesting thing about this is would this, if successful, drive other European teams to develop third division teams, especially if down the road there's pro rel and they can like go out and start a team in division four and then have it get promoted up to to division two and play there. I could definitely see um, success from a lot of teams if or if you look at a lot of the teams there, I mean, look at the ICC as a way of European size wanting to market themselves more into the market. I even saw, for some reason, I think uh, Dundee United of Scotland was trying to find a way to get into the NISA or something, which was strange. But if like if you see more of these European clubs, if they have the means to afford it, and why not take a chance and do something in the United States? You, you touched on something really big there, Ryan, and that's that they can afford it. Um, not many individual investors are going to go and invest in Riverside, California, or anywhere in California that's crazy expensive as it is right now. And a European club is probably one of the few that will do that. And, and USL needs needs some some clubs out west. And if they get one in California through Roma... Obviously, Roma has enough money to, to give it a shot. Um, so that I feel I, I was talking to Tommy Hodel about it, um, who knows all about all kinds of soccer going on in, in the Bay Area, especially the lower leagues. And uh, he was helping me figure that out. And Riverside, he said, has a good Latino community. And it's a lot of soccer guys have come out of there. And so that's a good spot for a, a club. So that's cool. Like the grassroots movement could be good if they team up the right way with Roma. Um, and Roma can afford it. And then the other thing is Roma has a bunch of affiliations with academy clubs, with um, U.S. development clubs, uh, including my local one here, St. Louis FC's Academy or Scott Gallagher. Um, so 
I think this is just like another step. I, I know people see the name Roma and they think really big things, but I think you may want to consider this closer to like a step above Rush, like what Rush has been doing with expanding their brand and, and moving into the pro realm uh, with Penn FC. Um, I, I think you can compare it to that. And um, I would love to see more of it, especially from European clubs, like Ryan said, because, you know, Barca has a really strong um, presence here in the U.S. now with several good academy sides that are feeding even better academy sides. So I'd like to see more and more of this, if, if possible, if, if they can afford it and they're willing to put the time and effort into it. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on. Um, D.C. United are considering... Audi Field is a temporary home for its USL team. Um, just some small news there. Also sounds like Lansing will be getting a team for League One, so that's cool. Um, real quick, we are sponsored by Soccer Loco. If you go to the USLshow.com, click on that banner, Soccer Loco, uh, you can pretty much get anything you want. I myself have actually used it. Got myself a brand new pair of Puma cleats uh, for my 7v7 co-ed rec league. Uh, tons of fun. Uh, DK there really took care of me. Um, go there. Check it out. We are also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, roughneckscarves.com. For any of your scarf needs, go check them out. Um, there were games. Let's get on to the games. There was lots of them. Uh, we'll probably get through some of them pretty quickly. Up first, Ottawa beats Toronto SC 1-0. Ottawa getting the goal in the 32nd minute. Um, not much to say about that. I think kind of expected that to happen. Any short comments from anybody? Yeah, Ottawa needed this. That's about it. <laughs> getting the win they needed and hopefully when they expected. Um, up next, Pittsburgh downs Penn FC 2-0. Goals from... Ola Kunli Banjo. I'm hoping I probably didn't. I hope I probably slaughtered that. In 38th minute, Andy Lubon in the 90th minute. Um, Penn is still mathematically eligible for the playoffs, but this probably put a fork in them. They might be done. Yeah, I think the only way Penn makes it is if like 12 games all break correctly. So <laughs> good luck, but not quite dead yet, technically. Tony, is that a parlay that you would want to do? No, not at all. <laughs> there, I have. I see no way Penn makes it at this point. Did any of us pick Penn? And it doesn't really matter. Never mind. I don't uh, know. Pony though. Pony likes defending teams for the playoffs. We'll talk about that more later. I'm sure, but they're a defending yeah. team. Yeah, they're like Pittsburgh light. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh very light. Yeah, very very light. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, up next, Indy 11 take out Tampa Bay 2-0. Indy getting the goals from Carl uh, Wimet, if I have pronounced that correctly, yep. 37th minute. Elliot Collier in the 75th minute. Um, that puts Indy in a uh, in a good place to clinch a playoff spot. Um, this, this result definitely helps. Um, Tampa has three final matches coming up against Atlanta, Charlotte, and Bethlehem Steel. Uh, if they can beat, look, I, I think out of nine points, they are going to probably need at least seven just to have a chance. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, did any of you guys watch this match, Dan? It's your team. If he's back. Oh, did we lose back. him? I wondered why he was so quiet. He went BRB. Oh, darn <laughs> it. How terrible. I did watch this game. And um, kind of the things that um, Brian was, was talking about last week, Brian Cook, um, on the show was like evident with Indy. Like, I don't know. You know, they like their defensive midfielders. I don't think they play pretty soccer per se, but they will grind out wins. And in, in, in this game, they really, really controlled the game really well. And Tampa Bay really never looked like they were going to have a good chance. And so, you know, I think, Indy sometimes looks good, even though it's not pretty. They look dominant sometimes. So, well, and I think this is a win that they desperately needed to just stay relevant, you know, and 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 just get that breath of like relief that I think maybe we can get a playoff spot. Yeah, it's 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 getting closer and closer. We actually get a get a result that I think they really needed. So, yeah, yeah. out of the teams who haven't clinched yet of the East, I think Indy's most likely to make it. I don't think they're at all likely to win a game in the playoffs, mm. but I think they're 
likely they should get in at this point outside of a catastrophic end of season. I agree 100%. So with 33 teams in the league, 16 teams making the playoffs, is it more of a statement with this many teams that you're just to get make the playoffs is quote unquote good enough? Or do, do teams need to like just at least win one game in the playoffs to be like, you're a good team? That's 48% of the league making the playoffs. Well, it is less than half, barely. <laughs> I think if you want to be considered anything more than just a above average team, you need to win a game or at least host a playoff or at least host a playoff game. I mean, you we've seen it from the last three years, the last three champions were the team that won the shield, and the last two Western Conference champions was an explicit at least what Park Rangers doing it from the fourth seed. So it still seems like that fourth seed is like the cutoff of being a really decent side. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I think it's even more unbalanced east to west. I've been saying I think you can make the argument that you could go up to nine, maybe even ten west teams before you find the fifth best east team. So uh, before we move on, uh, Dan, do you want to talk about Indy 11 going over Tampa Bay 2-0 on third game? That's your back. (laughs) No, you don't have to. But We talked about uh, it a bit. Yeah. Uh, It was just we can't string together more than three wins ever in franchise history. So uh, I'm not surprised. And it was a tough stretch of games, but um, Rowdy's couldn't afford to drop points right now. And that loss hurt. So your last, your, your final three matches coming up, um, Atlanta, Charlotte and Bethlehem. What do you think you might, your team might get out of those three games, six points, seven points or nine points? Um, I mean, I would love nine, but, uh, I, I would say we'll probably get four. <laughs> like, uh, I don't see us going, uh, getting too many from it. I mean, uh, I think we'll win the, uh, the Atlantic game. Let's see, yeah, the Atlantic game here. Um, but the two road games, I don't think are going to go our way. No, that's unfortunate. Uh, on the road despite like the two recent wins but uh i just i i don't know if the team has it in them to uh fight and get the nine points they need to keep themselves in a conversation for the playoffs yeah well best of luck nonetheless um up next speaking of atlanta atlanta united two go down to na- our host nashville nashville wins two nil uh, Nashville goals from Mensa in the 70, 7th minute and Hume in the 64th minute. Um, good team beats bad team as expected. Um, after that, Charleston uh, 2, North Carolina FC 0. Uh, Charleston with goals uh, both in stoppage time. One from Victor Mansory and the other one from Ian Zventessen. Uh, yeah, I watched this match. Basically, it was a Southern Derby. And it's looking like Charleston's in a decent spot to clinch their fourth consecutive Southern Derby top with their seventh overall. And it was just me waiting. And I was like, okay, let's get a goal. Let's get a goal. And then finally it came in the ninth minute. And then they got a second one. But this was a very good win for Charleston. And I think considering the result and CFC got in the preceding or the match in the weekend, that this may just be just one misstep or it would may highlight how far away they are from the top four. That's fair. And and I, it probably hurt North Carolina's chances to clinch. They are currently in eighth, right? Currently, yes. I'm kind of hoping that they make it to the playoffs because I picked them in my six-team draft, and I would like to go six for six if I can, <laughs> which I probably won't. I'll, I'll barely I'll be all lucky if I get five. Um but yeah, so it's a good win for Charleston. Um, has Charleston clinched yet? I didn't see. Yes. Yeah, they've clinched. All right. And North Carolina has 31 games played, and everyone above them has one or two games more than them. So they do have a chance to hold on if they can get some wins. Mm, that's good. Well, let's, we'll see how it goes. Um, up next, where am I? Lost my place. Uh, well, the game happens as you would expect it. Richmond Kickers hosting FC Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati downing the Kickers 4-1. to one. Um, Richmond get a goal from Cordovas in the 32nd minute. 
Cincinnati goals from uh, Al-Badawi in the 16th, Ledesma in the 40th and the 44th, and Welshman in the 63rd. Um, this was the win that uh, got Cincinnati to clinch their regular season shield. Yay. Ryan, give us that stat there. The last three shield winners, or is not only one on to win the USL Cup, they were also all from the Eastern Conference. Mm. So congrats to Cincinnati because the shield to me is, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's a, more, a better measuring stick of who's the best team in the, in the, in the league. There's definitely that argument, not only just in USL, but also MLS that, you know, the team, if you get the shield, if you're the best team out of all the other teams in the league, both divisions, that proves that, you know, over the course of the entire season, you're the better side as opposed to, you know, a three game tournament, four game tournament um, to win uh, silverware. It's it's there's definitely arguments for both Mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. I will say that FC Cincinnati's ELO rating has now climbed above 1,200, putting them at the fourth best team of all time. And there's a chance that they could be in the conversation to uh, surpass the current best team of all time, the 2016 New York Red Bulls. I say, am I wrong in remembering that? Am I wrong in remembering that Louisville just won the East, not the Shield last year? Didn't the Monarchs win that one? Monarchs or the Monarchs may have won the Shield in that one. I was, sorry, apologies. The last three um, Eastern Conference number one seeds have all won the uh, yeah the east yeah, the east goes chalk and the west just goes chaotic out of the gate <laughs> okay it's not surprising That's more like it but, um up next i gotta stop losing my place reno uh four rgv zero um reno dominating the uh, uh the team below them on the standings casipal Kasipli in the 12th minute, Weehan in the 23rd, Brian Brown in the 80th, and Theha or Theha in the 89th. Um, four goals that puts Reno in definitely a strong position to clinch uh, playoffs soon. Um, their next game actually this Wednesday against T2. Uh, if they can get even a point, they'll, they'll I believe they'll clinch a playoff spot. Hmm. Yeah, Reno's technically not in, but they're in. Yeah, they literally just need one point in three games, but they've got some tough games coming up. Yeah, basically the only way Reno loses is if they lose out, San Antonio wins out, and Swope Park wins a game, St. Louis wins at least a game and a half. It's They're in. Yeah, they're in. Um, up next, Las Vegas versus Orange County. Uh, Las Vegas 3, Orange County 5. Uh, number one team in the West doing what the, they've been doing, getting lots of goals. Vegas getting goals from Juan Garcia in the 36th, uh, Garduno in the 45th, uh, Ochoa in the 48th, and Orange County getting their five goals from Quinn in the 8th minute, Anna Voldson in the 31st and 90th, and Michael Seaton in the 54th and 76th. Uh, did anybody watch this game? Lots of goals. Mm-mm. I watched part of it. I mean, Orange County is quickly becoming one of the teams to beat out West. And Vegas is, I mean, they actually scored a lot more than I thought they would score against Orange County, which is why I'm kind of nervous about their longevity. You can't be giving up three goals to a team that's not good. But I don't know. Orange County seems to be more of taking the will outscore your approach which is always fun to watch, but maybe not sustainable long-term. Not necessarily sustainable in the playoffs either, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it kind of yeah. lends credence. Like, if Orange County is the best team in the West and they're giving up three goals to Vegas versus Cincinnati being the best team in the East and only giving up one goal to the kickers, um, you know, if you pitch those two together in the USL playoffs or the USL Cup, I, I, I don't know... I know who I'd want to win, but I don't know if they would win. Well, I remember the last time Orange County was the number one seed in um, the playoffs. I think it was 2015, the first year they did a split East and West, and they actually lost in that conference semifinal match to Los Dos, but there was also a snafu that they had to play that game at the Stop-Up Center, not actually hostess, and that may have played a role in, but I'm curious if a performance like that is repeated in this uh, year's playoffs if they end up getting that number one seed. We'll have to see. I mean, the number one seed is it's, at this point it's down to Orange County and Phoenix. Like that's it. It's a two way. It's a two pony race, yeah. right, Pony? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. 
And let's look at Orange County's, I think, now scored multiple goals in more than half their games. So, yeah, they can score. They just can't really play top tier defense. And I think they're going to get beat by someone due to that down the road. Mm, that's interesting. Which team did you say doesn't play top tier defense? Uh, okay yeah i kind of agree because you know st louis just played phoenix and as much as you talk about their attacking style and their attacking talent like they actually defend really well i was i was kind of shocked at how well they defended against us um and then for some reason i just kind of view the two like orange county just has such a good system like of all the teams in the usl i would feel feel like they and perhaps the real monarchs like their system is really good, and all the, the the players work together really well. Whereas Phoenix just has like individual talent. Like you you look at battles, individual battles all over the field. Like Phoenix just constantly wins it from just better talent. I feel like at least against St. Louis players. So um, it's an interesting dynamic there, and it'll be interesting to see who who wins out in in the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing with those two teams. I, I would not want to be any team that has to play their last two games against Orange County and Phoenix. Uh, that team, of course, I'm speaking about is Reno because that's the two teams they have to end the season with, one at home and one on the road. And that's rough. Um, you know, like that's almost like, do you are you even hoping to get one point out of those two games? I'm not sure. But we'll see. Um, up next, Atlanta United 2 scores three goals. Louisville scores two, but Louisville wins 4-1. What that means is Romario Williams gets a goal for Atlanta in the 71st. A.J. Cochran gives away two goals to Louisville, um, gets himself an own goal brace in the 24th and 69th minute. Uh, Actual Louisville players getting goals, Kyle Smith in the 37th and George Davis the 4th in the 41st. Um, Louisville doing to Atlanta what you would expect them to do. Although, <laughs> I don't know if you would expect Atlanta to give up uh, two goals, but definitely man of the match there for Louisville, right? <laughs> <laughs> Poor AJ. That's my, that's my boy there from St. Louis, and I hope he gets out of Atlanta. Unless he wants to try to get you know work with the first team, he needs to get out of there because he's just – we talked about last week, like their back line just giving up goals on the high press. Like it's candy. I mean – one own goal is rough, but I can't imagine giving up two. No, That's got to sting a bit. And I know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not his fault either, but but he's not in a good place for his own development. So, yeah, he's an older. Um, after that one, we've got Charlotte two, Pittsburgh two. Charlotte getting goals from Herrera in the 19th, Zaid in the 86. Pittsburgh goals from Parks in the fourth minute, and Zamansky in the 90th. Um. Ryan, tell us about the EL, ELO ratings on this one. I was just saying that uh, Pittsburgh's at an all-time high for their time spent in USL since 2011. So, so this is arguably the best Pittsburgh around scene we've seen. Whereas on the other side, you have Charlotte as the worst team in, or their worst team since in club history. But what I'm currently or like most interested in is um, the race between Louisville and Pittsburgh as it seems for the second and third. See, they're both currently level with 57 points, and it seems like it'd be something that which or they'd likely have to face each other in the conference semifinals. But if you were Pittsburgh or Louisville, which seed would you rather go for if it matters at all? Probably the home game. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, nothing. I don't think you know enough about who's going to be the six, seven teams. Mm. I mean, if you told me that. The whoever gets third draws Ottawa. I'd rather be a third team and go on the road second round and get a just walk through the first round. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even then, I think Nashville and Bethlehem are the only two teams that really scare me in, the, in that lower half of that bracket. True. I guess we do have to wait and see a bit more when the picture becomes a bit clearer on the bottom side of the bracket of who's going to be kind of paired up with these top teams. Mm-hmm. We've only got two weeks left, so I imagine by the time we record again next Monday, uh, we should have a pretty clear idea of how everything is going to shake out. Yeah, we should. At that at that point. I mean, you'll have we'll have a big <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, a big Saturday game with like three games coming up on the 14th to end the regular season. But Except uh, probably yeah. not the bottom of the East playoff race. You know, we still I bet it'll still be up in the air like crazy. Yeah, there'll be a lot to be decided going into that last week. Mm-hmm. Maybe the West, though. I think the West, we have a chance to know. Yeah. 
Well, at the West, it's literally three, four teams for three more spots. And and if Reno does get a point um, against Portland, that would that should do San Antonio in about. But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll San Antonio maybe. has two easy games, if I'm remembering correctly, or two games they should be winning. Mm. So it's going to come down to does St. Louis and Swope Park win. Well, you you've said it like almost all season, at least the second half of the season, where it's like all these teams, you know, some one team is going to miss out in the playoffs, and it's going to be whoever like drops just a bad result, you know. Yeah, the interesting part is San Antonio gets home to Vegas and RGV have won a collective three road games all year. St. Louis gets home to Tulsa and OKC, and then Swope Park probably has the hardest one against Road to Sacramento, and then home to LA. I mean, I could see Swope Park bottling it and going out. <laughs> I think I can't remember who posted it today, but I feel like Swope Park does have kind of the. They seem to be the more likely ones to leave. Although I could easily see St. Louis doing it, just because they choke a lot in the past. But um, Harry made a great point that if Reno facing um, Portland, Phoenix, and OC in the last three games, I mean. They almost kind of have to perform against Portland to, to feel safe because those last two games are going to be really tough, really tough. Yeah, I think they have Phoenix at home and then OC on the road is the last match. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, but I mean, it's I mean to talk about that game. I think T two versus Reno would be a fun one to watch. Um, both teams that could could easily get points against the other, yeah. and, and both teams could probably go into this match thinking this might be their last chance to get points this season. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll both be coming out to play. Now, Reno is on a good unbeaten run. However, all of the three wins and a draw, they've all been against teams you know outside the playoff picture. Um, the last, the, I think their last loss was against, uh, I can't remember, but five... Their fifth game back was a loss. Uh, I think that was against Phoenix. Um, I'm not sure. But anyway, you know, then so they got to go on the road to T2, who is definitely vulnerable, but they are a playoff team. So we'll see how we go. Yep. Um, okay. Anyway, up next, uh, North Carolina three, Richmond two, North Carolina getting a brace from Kyle Becker in the 39th and 73rd, Austin Deleuze in the 61st, um, Richmond scoring a surprising two goals. Uh, I, a I probably slaughtered that 30th minute Cordovas in the 44th, um, Cordova shown a second yellow at the 79th minute, which obviously didn't help Richmond's chances. Um, a good win that kind of helps North Carolina stay relevant in the playoff picture, at least probably until the very final match day. Yep. And the next one's a bit of an upset, huh? Yeah. Um, after that, Toronto FC two gets two goals. Charleston gets one. Um, Char- the Charleston goal coming from uh, Ak- Ak- Akinowo. 52nd minute, um, Toronto, Akinola in the 55th, and Hamilton in the 65th. I'm usually very good at pronouncing names, and I'm having a horrible, horrible time tonight. It's a hard week for you, for real. I I apologize to everybody. Um, It's an odd result, but, uh, you know, Toronto wants to play the upset, I guess. That's their, what, third win overall, fourth win overall? (laughs) They've gotten very, very few points. And they actually do better on the road. Mm. That's... Also surprisingly true. That's crazy. And they seem to do better against better teams, right? Yeah. Three of their wins are Nashville, Louisville, and Charleston. So weird. (laughs) So weird. If they do better on the road, how do you think Toronto 2 would have done if they would have given a Antigua 2013-esque season and did everything on the road? I was hating on Akinola um, because I didn't think he should be on the U20 uh, World Cup qualifier team even. And uh, then I looked up his stats in the USL, and for a winger, it's very respectable, especially for a young kid. So um, watch he, watch him, because I wasn't watching him. I made some assumptions, and he's been playing, and he's been scoring goals decently well. And he's a physical player, but he's young. So if he can be a physical player in the USL as a young kid, that's a good sign that he can do it against grown men and on a higher level. So uh, he's, he's and, one to watch. And while playing for a team like Toronto, too. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
Um, up next, FC Cincinnati down Indy 11 3-0. Goals from Audi, Koenig, and an own goal from Carlisle Mitchell. Um, that puts FC Cincinnati on a win streak of 10 games in a row. Uh, congratulations to them. Up next, Nashville and New York Red Bulls, two, uh, each get a goal. Michael Reed scoring in the 26th minute for Nashville. Uh, Moreno in the fifth minute for New York. Um, New York got a red card in the 24th. Obviously probably helped, didn't help them um, to get nothing more than a point. Um, at least it keeps Nashville in the conversation. New York Red Bulls, they're both fighting for a playoff spot, so I think they both wanted the, all three points here. Yeah, this game was it's it's exactly how you sum up the entire season for Nashville. If you if you watch, I watched this game and it was so frustrating because Nashville's up a man for most of the game and they either couldn't finish shots, which still I think they're second to last for a conversion rate in the entire USL. And when they could put shots on target, New York had unbelievable saves. I mean, there's multiple save of the week candidate things from the the keeper, and I think they had a bicycle kick clearance off the back line at one point. <laughs> so it it was, it, this is just Nashville's season. If Nashville could somehow just slightly get better at finishing, they're immediately, I think, level of Charleston. But they just can't score despite being one of the best defensive teams in the entire league. And it's not like Lily Ball where you still score one goal, sometimes two a game. They're just not scoring i think they're one of literally the worst scoring teams in the entire usl and they're probably be in the playoffs i think we were calling that from the start of the year that we said it was a worrying sign that nashville wasn't scoring more than they did and now here we are in october and it's still a worrying sign but i definitely agree with you pony if they could just like get their scoring down pat, they would be a much better team. I think they were picked relatively highly in our draft because that's the type of thing we, the type of team we thought they would be. Yeah. Yeah. They have a plus eight goal differential right now and only have allowed 26 and they only have a plus eight goal differential mm-hmm. for comparison. New York directly below them has allowed 56 and also has a plus eight goal differential. <laughs> Uh, interesting, fun times. Um, up next, RGV2, Fresno 1. Both teams are eliminated. Um, right after that, San Antonio beats S2 3-1, to one, uh, keeping San Antonio's playoff hopes alive for just one more game. Um, and then right after that one, Real Monarchs lose again, this time zero, uh, 2-0 uh, to Colorado Springs. Um, Colorado getting goals from Ajiko in the 63rd and Maybin in the 90th. Um, winless in seventh, or, or winless in seven games for uh, SLC. Um, it's it's they have how many games left? I believe two. SLC has three games left against OKC for us now. Or yeah, two OKC two. for us now. Okay, yeah, two games. So if they and they're at 54 points, they're barely holding on to fourth place because. T2 is chomping at the bit. If T2 can get a win against Reno, they'll they'll jump them. And then both St. Louis and Swope Park are within range to jump Salt Lake City if they do well. And this slide continues to for Salt Lake City. So um, it's it's not been a good season for them. They were pretty much the number one team in the West, and now they they may actually have to play their first playoff game on the road. It's quite the fall. Um, after that, Reno two, Tulsa zero. Both of the uh, Reno again staying alive in in the playoffs. Um, that game almost uh, clinches it for them. They just need literally one more point or some results to go their way. So we'll see how that goes. Um, right after that, Phoenix two, St. Louis nil. Um, Phoenix goals by Forbes in the 82nd and Chris Cortez in the 90th um, keeps Phoenix hot on the heels of Orange County. Um, they they can they can potentially it's like I said earlier it's between Phoenix and Orange County for the number one number two seeds they're fighting it out so we'll see who ends up number one in the West um, Phil did you watch this match Yeah the big total dominance from Phoenix I think the only thing that to watch is that uh, Wall Fall went down toward the end of the game and he wanted to stay in uh, but they didn't let him which was probably smart because we really need him if he doesn't come back then I would worry about St Louis making the playoffs at all. Um, but if he comes back, they have a, a good, just as good a chance as we ever thought. So watch that. That's good. 
All right. Um, up after that, Sacramento won, T2 nil. Um, both have already clinched their playoff spots prior to this. Um, the goal for Sacramento came from Cameron Iwasa. Nathan Smith of T2 was shown a second yellow in the 74th minute. Um, kind of expected result went the expected way. Um, did you want to talk at all about it, Pony? No, I mean, the, both keepers are pretty active and had some good plays in this game. It's one of those just watching how many saves where you wouldn't think it was 1-0, but... This was a game Sacramento needed, and I think that all but locks up a home game for them at this point. I think you're right. It should lock it up. Portland would have liked at least a point um, just to try to, you know, try to get for a top four spot. But um, right now I'm thinking they're probably going to end in fifth, but they could go anywhere, I think, between fourth and sixth. We'll see how things will work out. Well, if they end fifth, they probably get the Monarchs first round. So I will take that. that. I'll take that every day of the week. (laughs) Every day of the week with their current form. Um, last two games, uh, OKC Energy beating Las Vegas 1-0. Um, and then after that, Ottawa and Bethlehem Steel um, drawing 0-0. Something I forgot to about, say about St. Louis is Drogba played. And uh, boy, did Mike Watts like it. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that while we were here. <laughs> I get it too. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. But man, he was excited for it. So after this, after all these games, we've got two weeks left. Um, teams that have clinched in the East FC, Cincinnati, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Charleston um, in the West orange County, Phoenix, Sacramento, real monarchs, and T two are the clinchers um, in the East. Only three teams still eliminated Toronto FC, Richmond, and Atlanta. Um, in the West, almost everybody except for San Antonio has been eliminated. OKC Energy, Colorado, LA2, Fresno, RGV, Vegas, Tulsa, and S2. Um, things seem pretty wrapped up in the West. Um, we're just looking to see which team might be the unfortunate odd man out. Um, remaining eligible teams for the East, we've got four of them. Indy, Bethlehem, Ottawa, North Carolina, Nashville, Newark Red Bulls, and Tampa Bay. Well, that's not four teams. Oh, nine teams for four spots. I need to read Ryan's notes a little bit better. <laughs> and it's really just seven teams. Charlotte and Penn, I think, are dead in the water. Yeah, for sure. So seven teams for four spots there. I think Indy, Bethlehem, and Ottawa maybe probably in. I think the last spot might come down to either North Carolina or Nashville, honestly. I don't know about New York getting it they might be in the conversation but yes my so my projections say it's nashville indy bethlehem and north carolina i can i can live with that um in the west there's four teams for only three spots reno is the furthest up in sixth place um then you've got swope park st louis and san antonio currently the odd team out so we'll see how all that goes uh anything else from anybody I did want to mention that uh, Ottawa has um, just one game left in the year with a lot of other teams around them having about two games left in hand. So it'll be interesting to see where the Fury end up this playoffs. Yeah, I almost, I mean, not to hate on Ottawa, but I almost hope they don't make it because I think they are clearly the worst team in that group. I mean, this is a team with a negative 10 goal differential and scoring less than one per game. They're not going to bode well against... uh, Louisville or Cincinnati or anything like that. That'll be a not fun to watch first game. Yeah. You kind of root for the teams that look fun and cool. Like NC, I'd be sad if North Carolina didn't make it. Cause I like the soccer they play, but you know, they don't always perform the way they should. Yeah. I'm hoping for Nashville just because I think they have a good chance of going up one zero early and just grinding out a win mm-hmm. somehow against one of the top few sides. It's your kind of team pony. I know. I mean, <laughs> Look, Get in there the and make it an upset. They're the second best defense in the entire league. That's funny. That's crazy. Oh, they can make it. So that will be it from us on this Monday evening. Um, I am Kevin McCamish. You can find me on the Twitters at KMcCamishPDX. Um, Phil, where can they find you? Uh, Phil Grooms on Twitter, two L's, two O's, or STL Soccer Report. Pony, where can people find you? At Iron Pony Chef on Twitter. And Ryan, Mr. Statman, where can people find you? At ILM underscore Ryan. All right. 
thank everybody for uh, listening to us and I hope everybody has a great night. 